I often get frustrated going to the different conferences and talking to different people about what's wrong with golf and we need to grow the game of golf. Well, you hear golfers talking about it, thinking as golfers and the challenge is they can't get out of their own way. And what we've done is unknowingly, we've put golf clubs and balls in front of people. And golf, for those that are non-golfers, can be a very intimidating, threatening sport. And what we've done is we've made it fun. And before you know it, you're having a blast. And you're using that club and you're putting or you're attempting to drive on our range. And it's okay to miss. You laugh. But the reality behind it is it feeds you. You want to go back to it. And, and I, I am a believer. I believe we are growing this game player by player. One thing leads to another. They're having fun. They're laughing. And next thing you know, they want to come back and maybe take a lesson. Or they want to come back and really understand the game. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. And please subscribe, rate, and review the show on either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. If you'd like to receive our monthly newsletter, which I'll start publishing in a few weeks' time, please sign up on the Mod Golf Podcast website to receive the latest news relating to the innovative future of the game. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Steve Rosen, who is the General Manager of Indian Wells Golf Resort, which is part of the Troon Group's global portfolio of world-class resorts. I reached out to Steve to be an episode guest because of the very unique and engaging golf experience that Indian Wells Golf Resort in California has been staging over the past few months. They've named this immersive, multi-sensory experience Shots in the Night, and I'm not going to be the spoiler here and describe it for you. I'll leave that to Steve as it's his story to tell. So Steve, hey, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you, Colin. It's a pleasure to be here. And pleasure to be speaking to you again too, Steve. So hey, to get us started here, please give us some context about the Indian Wells Golf Resort, about Troon Golf and your roles within the organization. I sure will. So I'm the general manager for the Indian Wells Golf Resort, which is part of the Troon portfolio worldwide. Troon is a management company, hospitality management company, I should say, with close to 300 facilities worldwide. And the Indian Wells Golf Resort happens to be one of our flagships here in Indian Wells, California. It is a 53,000 square foot clubhouse, 36 holes of amazing golf owned by the city of Indian Wells and a very, very unique facility that we have here with restaurants and view grill and bar banquet meeting facilities, and of course, our newest introduction, the Shots in the Night. And that is what we're going to focus on our conversation here today, because looking at Indian Wells Golf Resort, the business there seems to be very strong. And and you could be like most established businesses and organizations and say, you know what, we got this. We don't need to change anything. But at Indian Wells, and also, as I think you're going to reveal here with Troon, are quite entrepreneurial and are looking to unlock new markets and new opportunities, which is where we want to start. So please describe for our listeners, what is Shots in the Night? Boy, that is a difficult thing to describe. You got to see it to believe it. It is, I know. It's a combination of multiple things. We have a green grass putting green in the back of our facility here in the clubhouse, which is a John Fote design putting green. And Shots in a Night is comprised of seven different towers that have TVs and lasers and smoke machines and computer-operated games, which actually project onto the greens that you walk up to with groups of up to six players. 
and you could begin a process of playing golf darts or golf shuffle or golf beer pong. Numerous games that groups can play with no skill level right up to a golf professional. And that is paired with our night golf driving range, which are 12 hitting bays with targets that are also lit, that make noise, that have glow-in-the-dark phosphorescent golf balls. And all that's tied together with our amazing food truck, and DJ, and music, and lasers. And it's a party mm-hmm. at a period of time that typically at most golf courses are dark and closed. And that's what I like about it. The last comment you made there, Steve, the fact when it's dark and it's closed, so underutilized opportunities of golf courses all across North America, all across the world, really, to scale this up, especially within the Troon portfolio, which I'll touch on a a little bit to ask you about as far as scaling up, but let's hold off on that for now. But what I love about what you're doing here, just the entrepreneurial mindset you have, unlike someone like Topgolf, which they have to create each one of the facilities, just the infrastructure, 35,000 square feet, they need 12 to 15 acres of land. You've taken the Airbnb or the Uber or Lyft approach that you are tapping into existing infrastructure that you can actually use and repurpose. And I love this. So let's take a step back here. Let's look at the backstory. I'm always curious about the why and the purpose and the inspiration of why you've created something. So can you tell us, Steve, the backstory that led to the creation of Shots in the Night? Absolutely. Well, our industry, as we all know, I mean, we talk about it at every conference we attend, everywhere we go. Our industry is not one that had the significant growth that it did at one point in time. Back in the 2004, 5, 6, where golf was growing at rather large leaps and bounds, the industry began to wane for a while, but not going down that road. And the number of rounds that one can consume within the course of a year at any golf course began to become a little bit challenging for all of our golf properties across the United States and for that matter around the world. The issue that we had here specifically is that we're first and foremost, we're a very seasonal property here in the Indian Wells area. So we've got a limited time in which people really want to be able to come out and enjoy the desert and enjoy this wonderful weather. As we progressed, we saw that decline in golf rounds and we were tasked as a company, as an operation here, as a team by our ownership, the city of Indian Wells to say, hey, listen, what can we do at our facility in an effort to be able to provide new revenue streams? So we put our heads together. We actually went out to NGF National Golf Foundation, actually had a study done in conjunction with us. And sure enough, that study came back and indicated clearly that there was an opportunity for an entertainment type facility. And there are various types, uh, like you had just mentioned, the top golfs of the world. However, that really required, while it was something that the study proved to say there is definitely a pent-up demand. This is something you should seriously look at. Topgolf was something at this particular facility that wouldn't work predicated upon size, as you've mentioned, the financial dedicated dollars and cents required to build one of those is just something that I don't know if that return would have been here. But again, we were simply prevented because we have about six acres on our range, which is quite small for a Topgolf type facility. And our putting green out back, it's a wonderful amenity. However, it was grossly underutilized. So we put our heads together after we got the study back and he said, you know, this is not destined to be a top golf. Right. But what can we do to really create a sense of energy and entertainment that would add a different revenue stream and provide us two different avenues that were important to us? One, let's not interfere with what we already have, which is successful, which is we have an amazing golf facility, 36 holes of golf on our players course and our celebrity course that are amazing. But as I mentioned, at nightfall, 
that stops. Golf is done. And we had an opportunity to take advantage. So we zeroed in on night and said, okay, what could we do? I connected with a gentleman by the name of Dave Schultz from Next Links. And I believe you had Dave on at some point. And, and Dave and I began this process. Dave and I connected going on three years ago, but we literally talked for years and bantered back and forth. I went back out to Santa Ana, Dave's lab that he had created indoors and saw what he had created. Dave created an indoor golf lab that had a simulator that had lasers and it was just a cool opportunity, but yet it wasn't right for us. And when I got to talking with Dave, I said, what can we do to take what you have here and how realistic is it for me to take this and say, I want to put it outside. We want to replicate what you have here in the desert, but I want to put it on green grass. I want to make it an experience that people can enjoy similar to what you've done, but we want to really expand it to the outside. Dave's first answer, which immediately led us to hit it off was, no problem. I know Dave. Yeah, that would be the response as an entrepreneur. And he would find a way to do it. And he certainly has. Just to jump in for a second here, just for our listeners to get some context of the timeline here. So you mentioned your conversation initially with Dave was about three years ago. What year was that study done? So you really planted the seed of investigating what the possibilities could be as some type of an experience there? It actually, I stand to be corrected. It was actually back in 16 that we started this process. That study was done and really it indicated that there clearly was opportunity for us to expand upon what we were doing. Dave and I, we connected via the web and had been talking and we brought him in to this mix. It was more like two years, actually. We began this process back in 16. Right. And one thing led to another. And as we continued this process of communicating, we just began building. We had nothing to compare it to. We just began building this project. It's hard to describe, as you can hear, you really have to see it to believe it. But Dave actually wound up putting it on paper for what it would look like with these towers and television and lasers and smoke machines. And then our process was looking at it on paper to see, okay, what could we do to really bring this to life and what kind of an ROI would it have? We just began down that path until we really had a real good business plan in hand to take to our city council at Indian Wells to present. Both Dave and I presented to them and it was really accepted and we began this building process and here we are today and it truly is amazing. It is. And I have not had the chance to get down there quite yet to experience it myself, but hopefully that will happen very soon. But I have been following both uh, imagery and videos of what has been created there and the experience. And it is amazing. And I will make sure for our listeners in the show notes, there'll be lots of pictures there and lots of links to where they can experience this and see this themselves. And hopefully come and visit you also down in Indian Wells to see it. And it really is, I don't know if this is actually a word, but what you've created is Instagrammable. I'm sure with that social media layer, that was part of your rationale and your thinking as you were developing that. Is that fair to say? Indeed it was. It's very visual. It's something that happens in the moment. You actually have to see the demographics of individuals that are out there from kids who've never played to professionals that are in the game of golf. The visuals are amazing with kids cheering and laughing and families having fun to groups of guys and girls on the putting green or in the hitting bays having a blast. And again, our mission, I think so far, we've hit the mark in fulfilling the two missions, which are one, creating that opportunity of a revenue source at a time without interrupting. And two, it's a little bit of a secret mission. But again, I often get frustrated going to the different conferences and talking to different people about what's wrong with golf and we need to grow the game of golf. Well, you hear golfers talking about it, thinking as golfers, and the challenge is they can't get out of their own way. And what we've done is 
unknowingly, we've put golf clubs and balls in front of people. And golf, for those that are non-golfers, can be a very intimidating, threatening sport. And what we've done is we've made it fun. (laughs) And before you know it, you're having a blast and you're using that club and you're putting or you're attempting to drive on our range. And it's okay to miss. You laugh. But the reality behind it is it feeds you. You want to go back to it. And and I am a believer. I believe we are growing this game player by player. One thing leads to another. They're having fun. They're laughing. And next thing you know, they want to come back and maybe take a lesson or they want to come back and really understand the game. This is a game with so many rules and it creates so much in the way of thought process when you're being taught. And then they want to take you as a first time player and they want to put you out on this golf course with three other people you don't even know. And you're scratching your head saying, oh my God, I'm going to feel like a fool. Yep. This doesn't do that. This really provides you the ability to have a blast and just relax. Yeah. You've provided that gateway, that onboarding opportunity here and to build a relationship like with any business. And you want to call yourself a bricks and mortar business, more of a turf and and mortar business. That's a bad analogy too, but you know what I mean? Right. That to get people out, that's the hardest part. And then that is a real opportunity for you from that hospitality and that guest relations aspect to build trust and to build that relationship with these people to encourage them to come back out during the daytime and get through, as you said, that funnel through that intimidation factor that golf has. You touched on an interesting point there is how frightening it is for people to stand up on the first tee. I've used this analogy before. You look at skiing or snowboarding. You don't start off on a double black diamond and someone pushing you off the backside and saying, good luck, hope it works out for you. All right. You start out with the bunny hill and then you right. you work up to a green run and then a blue and then perhaps a black diamond or maybe never a black diamond. And you go from there. Whereas golf, even though you're not going <laughs> to physically injure yourself, let's say, but you can certainly emotionally injure yourself by the first thing you do is the black diamond experience on the first tee. And that's what golf has always put people. It is that switch. It's on or off rather than that dial. And you're, right. yeah, you're turning it up, the, that dial to slowly cranking it up there with shots in the night. I love what you're doing. So congratulations on what you built there, Steve. Well, thank you. And, and you've mentioned something in your introduction with regards to being a disruptor. And I say that only from a standpoint of, I think you really have to be a non-golfer to really appreciate what an individual would be thinking in their own mind, even from the point of entry when you enter a golf course and you're walking in and guys and girls are grabbing the bag and you're scratching your head saying, okay, what do I do next? Everybody is assuming you know. Everybody is assuming you've been to a course. Everybody is assuming you know what to do next. And then you have the etiquette factor. What do you do? How do you do it? Where do you go? And all of those things come into play. And then all of a sudden, if you're even brave enough to go through that process, you get up on that tee and you place the ball and you've got, like I say, three other people you're presumably playing with that are watching you. Right. No one knew this was a spectator sport. We're not professionals. And here you are about ready to take a swing and you just feel their eyes burning in your back and you're scratching your head saying, oh my God, am I going to miss? And what are they going to think? And I don't want to hold them back and I don't want to be the impediment for them enjoying and playing their game. Well, we're trying to take that out of the game. There's nothing wrong with a game of golf. And people that try to recreate it, and I am not saying that there's anything wrong with Frisbee golf or soccer golf. Those are great, but let's not try to recreate the game. The game is incredible as it is. It's wonderful. And you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy it. You can get out there and you don't have to keep score. You don't have to play 18. You don't even have to play through on every hole that you're at. But the reality behind it is, let's go out and enjoy the view. Agreed. Let's enjoy the outside. Let's get some exercise. Let's meet and talk to other people. And I think 
our venue, albeit entertainment, I think is a great introduction to putting that club in people's hands and not having it be so alien to them. And you can have fun. I, I know in the introduction, I do mention the word disruptors, and I, I believe I'm going to start dropping that word. I think it's used a little too often now. And what you're doing here is not disrupting. And you touched on this earlier, Steve, when you were looking at the overall vision of what Shots in the Night could be and what it shouldn't be, that top golf like experience would have been competing more with what you already had going on there at Indian Wells. Well, to me, it's it's an aid and it segues one as an introduction to this game. And at the same time, like I say, you can have fun. And it is amazing when you pair it with alcohol, what it can do for you. It just makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that. There you go. Exactly. What you've done instead, you've created something that now augments, it actually complements and amplifies everything else you have go on, which is interesting. I've written a blog post for a group called Blue Ocean Strategy, where I talk about four different golf organizations and startups and businesses that do follow this business model. And you follow this too. And Dave and Nextlinks is one of the case studies I have on there. But Blue Ocean Strategy, if you're not familiar with that, Steve, is, is you're not competing with an existing market. You're not fighting over the scraps in what they call the bloodied red ocean of competition and race to the bottom over price over the same market segment. Let's say over the existing 20 million golfers that are already there. Instead, what you're doing as a Blue Ocean Strategy is you're looking to unlock and have unlocked what we call golf non-customers, soon to be golfers, maybe refusing golfers, refusing to be a golfer beforehand. And those larger circles and spheres of market segments that you're now attracting and, and resonating with. Brings me to my next question here, and you touched on this a little bit already, is the demographics and the diversity of the people that are enjoying shots in the night. But I'd like to hear, Steve, your thoughts about, of all the groups, which one has surprised you the most by their participation and being involved with shots in the night? Here's the amazing thing. So as I mentioned, the demographics are just unbelievable with regards to kids, corporate groups. And this is a group magnet, if you will, from the hotels that we have. But of all things that surprised me the most, we had 500 PGA of America professionals here doing shots of the night. We actually were honored and we had the PGA of America here with the transition of previous president to new president. And in celebration of that transition, the PGA of America came to the Indian Wells Golf Resort and bought out Shots in the Night. Our PGA of America playing, it was an honor to have them playing Shots in the Night with us, both our range as well as the next links putting side of things, having a blast. And I was amazed at that point and proud of the fact that it sort of passed the muster. Here is the epitome of our industry playing it, enjoying it, laughing, having fun, and these were ladies and gentlemen who were in the business uh, who authenticate what it is that we do. And here they were playing the game. So it was indeed an honor to have them. And that extends to right on down to Boys and Girls Club, who were here two weeks ago for 300 people playing Shots of the Night. So you can see it's so diverse with who it appeals to and what it accomplishes. When you got music playing and, again, the food truck going, and it literally is an entertainment zone that's golf-centric, if you will, but it just appeals to everybody in the business and those that are not in the business. Amazing. And what, what a validator you had there with the 500 PGA professionals and the network effect for them to amplify that signal to tell all of their networks what an awesome experience it is. And that's just exponential goodness for you and, uh, and shots in the night for sure. Absolutely. 
So with Shots of the Night, this really is a prototype or a test kitchen, what you've created there. Let's say you treated this like a startup, and I think you really have in, the, in this way. Like with all prototypes, what features or elements have you found with Shots of the Night have resonated the greatest than you originally anticipated, and, and which, if there's any, are not as popular as you assume they would be? You know, what's really strange is that we had no idea what was going to be more popular. When I say, was it going to be the putting side on the next links, lasers and sports TV programs and smoke machines, or was it going to be the driving range aspects of hitting the glow in the dark golf balls? And it really depends upon the night and the demographic and the group that are playing as to what's the most favorite. We see it waver back and forth. We have evenings, and it's only open at this point on a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday. Above and beyond that, it's certainly open to any groups that want to buy it out any day of the week. But it really depends upon the mix of the people because one day it's heavily geared towards people wanting to use the driving range and sit and relax and have a few drinks. And and the next day, it's heavily geared towards people wanting to be on the putting green and experimenting with all these different games and the lasers. So I think we've been successful there really isn't one that has been favored over the other. I think they both complement and and actually act as a package. We never operate one without the other. I think what we've come to find is that we were correct when it came to going after the demographics. I think where we were a little surprised is that the demographics are a bit larger. Right. When we looked at this and we said to ourselves, let's scratch our head, who would want to do this? We were looking at an individual probably 25 to 50. And we said, okay, that is the range. Well, we're completely wrong in that aspect. I've got families with young children coming over from all of the hotels that surround us here. And then I've got people 70 plus with wives and friends just having an evening out, enjoying the wonderful weather in the desert here, having a drink, having something off the food truck and enjoying a night, just laughing and sitting out there and just sitting by the heater out there and just really having fun. So I don't think we ever anticipated it would be as wide a range of demographics of people. So that's a bit surprising. We'll begin the process of expanding the number of nights that were open. No surprise to us is this, it's a group mag. Any group that comes in here as an activity, whether it be a team building activity or just an entertainment type of things from even from a networking perspective, groups love it. Right. So it just hits the mark. Amazing. It's not lost on you, Steve, that the greatest business opportunity for the game of golf and the golf industry is to onboard more women and to unlock the millions of women that are considering playing golf and now are being made feel more welcome at golf courses and getting invited out. You probably haven't got any hard data on this yet, but even observationally, what have you seen there percentage-wise? I'm sure it varies from night to night, like you mentioned there, but what are you seeing percentage breakdown of men versus women approximately? You know, the strange thing is what amazes us the most. It's really well balanced. It's a great date night. It's a 50-50. Yeah. I think we see as many men as we do women, and I don't think it's heavily balanced in either. And I think we see more young children than we anticipated we ever would. And that surprises us the most, but this is not a gender-based game by any means, and nor is it age-restricted. So it's really open. The great thing about this is it's non-threatening. It doesn't require you to have to play from any set of tees. 
because you're a man or you're a woman. It just gives you the ability to get out there on an equal footing. And again, it's competitive if you want it to be. Each of the games have a competitive nature to them, but none that anyone couldn't master at any point in time. You don't have to be a great golfer or putter to be good at it because the games are just, they're very cool the way they've got them. And Dave has a patent on this and kudos to him. He's actually developed a few of the different putting games that we have are predicated upon degree of difficulty. So if you're a better golfer than I am, you have the ability to play against me head to head, but you simply can set the settings on the computer when you're out there to a degree which increases the difficulty factor. And we can both play on on a level playing field because he's actually created these games with degree of difficulty. And now we can sit there and putt against one another and you don't have an advantage over me because you might be a player as opposed to me not being a player. And what I love about the putting aspect is when you distill down the pure essence of what brings pleasure to someone in the game of golf. And that simple fact is getting the ball in the hole in that sound. It's a beautiful sound. That's it. It's right up there with the pure swish in basketball, as far as I'm concerned, with the ball going in the hole. Especially birdie putts always sound nicer than quadruple bogey putts, mind you. Some people think they sound the same, but I beg to differ on that one. Mine (laughs) mine sound different. They don't sound as sweet. Right. But joking aside, what you have there, you talk about onboarding again, your ability to pick up a putter. And if you ever played golf before, it's not like learning how to hit a driver, which is the most difficult club in the bag. You're able to start right away. You may not be great at it, but it's not like you're standing up there whiffing 20 times in a row like you may be with a regular club in your hand. So you have that advantage too. Right. Here you go, fill your boots and you start. So, hey, I wanted to ask you this because myself being a, well, one of the hats I wear, being a sport experience designer, since people can't, with our words, cannot see the visuals we've been talking about here with the lasers and the games and the projections we're talking about. But let's talk about the experience. Let's say I show up with some friends in Indian Wells, have never heard of Shots in the Night, and I'm staying at one of the resorts next door. How do you go about promoting this? How would I find out about it? And second part of that question, lead me through that journey as far as price point and opportunity and what my evening there would be when I show up at Shots of the Night. Absolutely. So the city of Indian Wells, where we sit, we refer to this as our campus. We have four hotel partners. Two hotels are 500 rooms plus each, and two of the smaller individual independent hotels are about 125, 150 rooms. And the unique thing about that is they truly are, by virtue of the meaning of partner, they are all our partners. We are their golf course, if you will. While we're city-owned and independent, not affiliated with any of the hotels, we truly are. This is a partnership. You walk into any one of the hotels, number one, we have a golf concierge that sits in the lobby of our hotel partners. Number two, you can't walk through the hotels without seeing some kind of brochure, signage, videos playing of shots of the night, actually seeing it. You need do nothing more than walk up to any staff member and ask, what is shots of the night? Where do I go to play it? And prepare to sit down because they've all experienced it firsthand, can tell you what it is. But you've got a lot of opportunities. You could book it through our golf concierge at the hotel. You can actually go online to the IndianWellsGolfResort.com and you can click in through a T-sheet and you can actually book. And that leads me to the second part of your question. How would you book it and pricing structure with it? You can actually go online. We only book or reserve the first hour. As we're in winter at this point in time in the desert here, it gets dark early. It gets dark about five o'clock. So you are able to book 30 minutes after sundown. You're able to book that first hour online, calling up through a reservation 
24-7. Above and beyond that, you can actually get on a wait list or just simply show up, put your name on the wait list if there's no room and greens and bays are taken. Right. We'll slot you in. You can go sit down, have a drink, get something to eat. We'll slot you in, give you a pager. As soon as a bay comes available, we put you on. It is unbelievably reasonable. It's like going out to a movie. It's $40 per hour per green or per bay. Per green will fit up to six people. So for $40, six people can play for an hour. So you look at it, what is that? It's $7, $6.5 a person. You can't even go to a movie for that kind of money. The same for a hitting bay, up to eight people if you'd like, 40 bucks. Get you an hour worth of hitting golf balls and just having some fun. And again, the same premise, you can have up to eight people there for 40 bucks. And so it's very, very cost effective. It's a great date night for somebody. You don't have to sell the farm to come and golf. It's just a place to come and experience it. And after you've done one, if you want to switch and go over to the hitting bays, you can buy another hour and go over to the hitting bays or vice versa, go over to the putting greens. You have the flexibility and the ability to do it. It's so simple. It's so easy. And we have golf professionals out on the landing at night instructing you, giving you insight as to how to play. It's pretty intuitive when you get on the greens. We have golf professionals there that can instruct you, show you what to do. There's no additional cost. Get you started and have fun. Uh, If you'd like to further your interest in the game and you want to take lessons, we would be delighted to move you down the road to get involved in the game of golf. And I know it's still early days with shots of the night, but have you found people coming through the funnel yet? Do you have any data or, or seen people that have never played before or had not been to your property that they do return in a more traditional golf sense to either play around or have a lesson or even just come for lunch? So we've only been open for the 30 days, but I'll share a few different stories with you that play to exactly what it is that you've just said. When we first opened this, I had a young lady who was a membership director at a private club who had the ability to experience shots in the night. She used to play golf and I happened to be at a conference with her. She used to play and stopped hadn't played golf for 10 years. And to be a membership director at a private club and not play golf is somewhat challenging, I would think. But she was playing shots of the night with a whole group that were here. We were here at a conference and she was playing, just having a blast. The next day I was at a meeting and we happened to be sitting at the table and she came over to me and sat down and said, I just want to tell you something. After playing last night, I haven't played golf in 10 years. I stopped. I called my husband after we were done playing and I told my husband, sign me up for lessons. We're going to start playing golf again. And I got chills. I said to myself, my God, this is exactly what I had hoped this would be. And this would precipitate for people getting into it. Other points, people are coming for dinner, sitting in the view, which is phenomenal, coming for dinner, sitting on the outside patio, having some drinks, having some dinner. And when they're done, simply walk downstairs and play the game. I've had people that have signed up for lessons. I don't have enough data to say that I'm I'm sitting here ready to wave the checker flag saying success. No, we've got a long way to go. But what I will say is I'm seeing positive forward momentum of people enjoying it. I've yet to see anybody walk away throwing their arms up saying, well, that's silly or that's ridiculous. I haven't seen any of that because everybody goes in with the intentions of one having fun. This is not one that you're going to get angry and throw your clubs. And I've seen people do that playing golf. You're not going to see that. You're going to see them jumping around and dancing around to the music and laughing and drinking and having fun. 
You're not going to see them throwing their clubs in trees or in the lakes. You're not going to see them breaking their clubs over their knees. <laughs> We've seen yeah. all that. Those of us that have golfed, you're not going to see those kinds of frustrations. So we've got a little ways to go before I think we can declare success or crossing a finish line. But I think this is really all about continuing to make it better. Every week, we find something different that we can add to it or change or modify or tweak in an effort to be able to grow it. I don't think we'll ever stop, and we will eventually add more games to it. Last week, we brought in a virtual reality truck and paired it with everything else we're doing. So kids can play video games and put on the goggles and do virtual reality. We don't want to stop that process, and we just want to be able to continue to introduce people to the Indian Wells Golf Resort, to some fun times, and hopefully that leads to many other opportunities for them to come back because there are a lot of things you can do on this property. Yes. And I did see through your Instagram feed, I did see pictures of that VR truck show up, which I'm glad you mentioned that because I had forgotten that I was going to include this. And last week I had an interview with a virtual reality studio, the founder of that studio, who is a uh, virtual reality artist, and we explored the future of golf. So that'll be on a, an upcoming episode also. But perhaps I should introduce you to him because I could see not quite yet, but even a couple years down the road, all the interesting things that they are doing, these overlays we call augmented reality and mixed reality, and then layering those on top of already the amazing things that Nextlinks and the lasers are doing. You never know where that could go, where the possibilities will lead to make even more immersive experiences. But for what I see here, you are now part of of what they call the experience economy with what you've created here with Shots in the Night. And it sounds like you're just getting started here, Steve, which I, which I wanted to ask you this as we finish up here, as far as the future, I ask all my guests at the end, what they think about the future of golf. And usually it's quite an open-ended question, but I'm really going to narrow it down here and ask you directly about the future of Troon and the hundreds of golf properties you have across the U.S. Do you plan to replicate Shots in the Night and scale it up to other resort properties, even in 2019 and beyond after you've figured out what works best at Indian Wells? The way I would answer that is, first and foremost, I think we're blessed. I think Troon is an amazing company. What I mean by that is, as a hospitality management company, and that's truly what we are, it's not just golf anymore. From Troon's perspective, we've got tennis. We've just purchased a very large tennis company. So we're involved in everything associated with hospitality. We manage facilities that have rooms associated with them. We have not just golf facilities anymore. From a future perspective, again, I love the fact that as Troon Golf, they make what we do a joy to do it. We're not bogged down. We're not a cookie cutter kind of a company. We are allowed to blossom and grow in our own space at each one of our facilities. Most all of our facilities are owned by individual owners. Troon is a management company for the most part, although we do own a few different facilities that we manage, but for the most part, we're a hospitality management company. I only see great things as we continue to grow as a company worldwide, but I would tell you that there are numerous properties within our portfolio that have actually been here. We did a sales conference for 90 of our different properties and Shots in a Night happened to be something that they had the opportunity to experience. They'll go back and some have already talked with their individual owners and they, as in I'm sure a lot of other different facilities, both public and private, are experiencing issues associated with the economy and membership and growing the game. And I think this is an avenue for them to really take a good hard look at. There are several that are interested. There are several that have inquired. I love the fact that we're leaders in this. There isn't anything else that you can compare it to. 
My prediction would be within the next year, I think you'll probably see two or three others similar to what it is that we do across the country and varying degrees. We're blessed enough to have seven different greens that we do it on. And again, the great thing about Next Links and Dave is he can take it and he can replicate it in any size and shape inside and outside. So I only think that you're going to see great things as it pertains to growth with it. I think the future of the game is here, and I hope there are a lot of us that can actually see it. Things like what we're doing and what Top Golf is doing is the future of introducing people to the game. As I've mentioned before, there's nothing wrong with the game. The game is great as it is. It's a fun game. I think it's how you introduce people to the game. I only see growth. I think, as you've put it, the next gen are individuals that really are experiential in, in wanting to be a part of something like that. I think they also value time with friends and family, perhaps more so than previous generations. Not that they didn't value time with their family. It's just, it's different. It's an inclusive experience that you can have fun. It's not just a place where you go and do business deals anymore. And what we're doing is completely different. And I think we're only going to see uh, continued growth in varying degrees. And, and I think virtual reality is going to be a big part of it. It's already here. It's going to be a huge part of it. And I know Dave is actually working on a few other things with that as well. Right. Well, you've certainly tapped into something that appeals to many, many people across the spectrum of ages, genders, uh, a very diverse group of people there with what you've created. This, yeah, this can scale all across the country. So that's very exciting for Troon and all the other general managers at all the other resorts that are watching what you're doing at Indian Wells. So, hey, with that, Steve, before I let you go, here's your opportunity. So far as we're just painting pictures with our words, people can't see what this experience is. Where can they go? And I'll put this all in the show notes with the links. Where can they go to see some imagery and learn more about Shots in the Night? Absolutely. www.indianwellsgolfresort.com. Click on the Shots in the Night tab and you will see, as they say, picture is worth a thousand words. You'll see video that will most certainly compel you to want to come out and have some fun. Good stuff. Social media. I know you're quite active on Instagram. Where can people find you there? Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, IWGR.com, our Facebook as well, Indian Wells Golf Resort, LinkedIn, the same thing. You'll see it just through my LinkedIn. I continue to post video. Unique thing is as we finish up here, we even had a special branded beer produced for us. That was Shots in the Night beer. And you can actually come and have a Shots in the Night pint of beer in the can that we have specially brewed for us. And you can only get it here and have some fun. And trust me, the more you drink, the better the game gets. <laughs> I was going to mention that earlier. I did see that as an Instagram post with the beer. So you've done a very nice job branding this and naming it and really embedding the hospitality and the food and beverage aspect of that into the experience, which is, as you very well know, even from a revenue generating side, that's where a great opportunity lies with what you're doing with Shots in the Night. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to share this with all of your viewers and the world and hope that uh, you have an opportunity to come out and play and have some fun with us. I look forward to that. I, hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. I'm up in Vancouver and it's cold rainy season now where it feels like it's only light outside about three hours a day. It's a bit of an exaggeration, but not far off. But uh, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll definitely need to uh, get on a plane and we fly directly into your backyard there. I'll need to get down and spend some time with you and Shots of the Night. So Steve Rosen, General Manager of Indian Wells Golf Resort. And I think it's fair to say you're a co-creator of Shots in the Night. I'm going to give you that label. <laughs> you have it now because I Thanks. truly believe in the conversation that you are one of the key creators of this experience along with Dave. 
as I said, I'll include all of those links that we mentioned here in the show notes to make it super easy for our listeners to click on all those. I will also include some more information about Next Links and Dave and the link to our previous episode from a year ago with him in that conversation. And we'll go from there. So Steve, again, thanks so much for shedding some light pardon the pun, on what you do at night in the dark, but this has been an amazing conversation and you certainly fit right in the wheelhouse of the stories we love to tell on the Mod Golf Podcast. So thanks for your time today. Thank you, Colin. I very much appreciate you having me. All right. You have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Indian Wells Golf Resort General Manager, Steve Rosen, about how Troon stepped outside the traditional golf box to embrace an entrepreneurial mindset to create shots in the night. If you'd like to learn more about Shots in the Night, check out their website at indianwellsgolfresort.com or go to our episode page where you'll find images and links relating to this story. We reference Dave Schultz and NextLink several times as the technology creator for the Shots in the Night putting experience. I'll also include the link to our previous episode with Dave in our show notes if you'd like to hear his compelling startup journey. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and NextLinks for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Please join me next time when I sit down with Dale Jackson, who is on the USGA and RNA's Joint Rules Committee, which is the group responsible for rewriting the rules of golf. Dale pulls back the curtain and shines some light on the five-year process of research, refinement, and decisions that led to the creation of the new rules of golf. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at www.mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And hey, do us a favor and show us some love and please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now. <laughs>